All right, Acts chapter 16, where we're going to go. We're going to wrap up this series today. Y'all excited to have Pastor Villem next week? It's going to be good. Excited to have him here and uh, really pumped to have him. Acts 16 is where we're going to be today and uh, excited for all that God has for us. So let's go there. Acts 16, if you want to look in your notes, here we go. It says this, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison and the jailers were ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off and the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself, but Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. It goes on, it says, the jailer called for the lights, ran into the dungeon, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and then he brought them out and he asked, sirs, What must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you today uh, for every person that is here, every person that is watching online. God, I pray, Lord, that you would speak. Our ears are open. Our hearts are open. We're ready. So God, I pray, Lord, that you, through your word, would bring illumination and revelation to us. But God, I pray more than anything, we would walk out in obedience to all that your word tells us to do. God, we need you. God, we love you. And today, we thank you for AC and snow cones in Jesus' name. And everybody said, can I get an amen for AC and snow cones? Come on, somebody. Free AC and snow cones. Well, you paid for it anyways. Okay, so today, I want to talk about the worst, best day ever. Let me flip it. The best, worst day ever. That you and I can have the best, worst days. Charles Dickens, he said, it was the best of times, and it was, yeah, you've heard it. It is the best of times, and it is the worst of times. Y'all ever been in a place where, uh, where you were like maybe crossing state lines, and you got out, and, and you had the ability to stand in both states. It was like Texas and in Louisiana or whatever it is. Are, are you ever been to the four corners where in, in Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, you know, you can put all four in and be in four different places at one time? That there is situations in our life where there's kind of two things going on at the same time, but they're almost diabolically um, uh, against one another. And, and so one of the things that I love about what uh, Pastor Rick Warren says, because I think what we need to realize is in life that there will be good days and there will be bad days. We understand how that goes, but I love what Pastor Rick Warren said. This is what he said. Watch, watch what he said about life, and I think he's so right. He said, I used to think that life was hills and valleys. Must have been listening to Torrin Wells. And so uh, he said, you have, watch this, you have a real high hill and then you have a low valley. I don't believe that anymore. And I agree with what he's about to say. He says, I think life is like two rails on a train track. He goes and he says that there are always good things in your life going on and there are always bad things in your life going on. At the exact 
same time. No matter how bad things are, there's something I could thank God for. And now watch this. And no matter how good things are, there's always something that I need to work on. And so you don't focus on either track. You focus on the goal. How many of you believe this to be true? How many of you have seen this in your own life? That on one side, things are going good. God is faithful. God is good. You know, the best days are ahead of us. I mean, just things are going well. And then how many know on the exact same other side, your finances might not be where you want them to be, and your marriage may be struggling, and you may possibly have gotten a diagnosis that you didn't want, or, you know, your kids are going crazy. It's summer, and you can't wait till school starts back, and... Come on, somebody. And so, how many know that, that at the same time, you could can, you can walk out of church feeling strongly encouraged and great and then just get a phone call in the moment? Things can shift. Things can change. God is good. God is faithful. God is with us. We know it. We know it. We know it. But yet, life is hard, and I am hurting, and things aren't right, and the diagnosis I got is something I'm really wrestling and struggling through. How many know this is real life right here? And I think oftentimes when we talk about hills and valleys, people are trying to kind of figure out where am I at? Am I at the hill? Am I like going up? Or am I in the valley? Can I just say, I think we're in hills and valleys at the same time. And you see this all throughout scripture with David, by the way. David would be in one chapter in Psalms singing God's praises and then the next, next verse be like in desperate despair. That we go through these times, and I'm just telling you right now, today's an encouraging message for those who, you know God's faithful, you know God's with you, you know he can do miracles, you know he can heal, but yet life doesn't look like that. I'm here to tell you today, be encouraged. Be encouraged. How can you have the best worst day? And this is exactly what Acts 16 is happening So let me rewind real quick of what's going on before we get to the verse that we just read. But Acts 16, Paul and Silas are on their second missionary trip. They've been traveling around, uh, preaching the gospel, planting churches. I mean, great things are going. The elders at Antioch got together, prayed, fasted, put their hands on Paul and Silas, sent them off to go. Now they got Luke with them as well because we know Luke's with them because he's the writer of Acts. They also have Timothy with them. Timothy is another one that is, uh, that is along the a ride with them and we know about the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And so, there's, which by the way, let me just say, Timothy is a committed disciple. Let me tell you why I believe Timothy is such a committed disciple. In order for Timothy to go on this missions trip, Paul had to circumcise him. Come on, how me know our missions trip numbers would might go down just a little bit if you find out. <laughs> hey, y'all want to go Dominican? Well, we're not Dominican anymore. Okay, we're not going there anymore. But um, <clears throat> I think we've canceled those trips. And so, um, but how me how me know if if you found out like, uh, uh, hey, if you. Come join OSC. You want to be on our team? You got to get circumcised. <laughs> uh, peace out. And so um, this is, you know Timothy's committed. But anyways, they're, they're traveling all around. They, they've been preaching the gospel in Asia. Now they're moving more towards Europe. They come to a, a town called Philippi. They've been casting out demons. They've been raising the dead. They've been seeing healings happen. They've been preaching the gospel. People by thousands have been coming to Christ, I mean, it is blowing up. Their YouTube page is blowing up, okay? They got favor of God all over them. Their social media is blowing up. I mean, it's just, everything that they're touching is gold. It's the favor and the favor and the favor and the favor of God. They walk into a town called Philippi. 
Now, this is a town that you know about, maybe don't know it by that name, but we know a book that was written based off of that city, which is called the book of Philippians. Paul wrote the book of Philippians 10 years later after what we're about to share. So 10 years after, Paul writes a letter to the Philippian church called Philippians, and, uh, and so this is based out of what we're talking about this morning. So he's in Philippi, and uh, he's, he's preaching the gospel, and he's meeting people. He meets a, a lady named Lydia. She was a, uh, a seller of purple. She, she was a fashionista. Come on, anybody like fashion in here? Any fashion? Any people like to hunt for deals? Anybody deal hunter? Okay. So <laughs> that was Lydia. She wasn't a hunter, but she was a hunter for deals. Okay. So Lydia, Lydia got saved, radically saved, and she started hosting them in her home. And, and then, I mean, everything's going good. Everything's going amazing. Hashtag best summer ever. Best summer ever. Then one day they're out preaching like they normally were. And as they're preaching, there's another woman that is now following them. Hashtag stalker. And um, she, is, she, she is hating what they're doing. And so she's making fun of them. She's, she's uh, saying loudly, oh, these are the son of gods. And I mean, she's just defaming them in front of people. And I love what Acts 16 says. Because when you think about how Jesus handled his critics, oftentimes he, handled, he would ask them questions. Or oftentimes, you know, Jesus would see a woman in distress and he would, you know, kind of come up to her and kind of scoop her up and go, daughter, you know, you are loved. Go sin no more. You know, you're expecting kind of like a Jesus-like response. I love Paul because he's still got a little world up in him. And so the Bible says he gets so frustrated and so irritated, he just rebukes the girl. <laughs> Get out. And he turns around and the demon leaves her. Now, she was a slave girl that was a fortune teller. She was making money for all of her masters. And now that he had cast this demon out of her, she no longer could tell fortunes, so she was no longer making money for these men. And guess who was upset? Her masters. And so they go and grab Paul and Silas, and they bring them not only into prison, but they get orders to beat them. They beat them, and then they put them into prison. And this is the start of the story of what we just read just a minute ago. Now, Here's why I say this, because one of the things that you need to realize is that when you are serving God, when you are following God, remember, they were 100% in the will of God, and yet they were beaten and imprisoned. And how many of you know, if you are going the same way as the enemy's going, you have no opposition, but as soon as you take a stand, how many of you know you're going to face some opposition? And I'm here today to tell you that just because you're following God doesn't mean you have opposition. Actually, it does mean you have opposition because the greater the calling, how many of you know the greater the conflict? The greater the anointing, how many of you know the greater the attack? And opposition may actually be proof that you are 100% in God's will. So if life has been hard for you lately, it might be because you are following God. Welcome to our Savior's church. So it'll be like, God, it's been like hell. Like, you know, some of you are like, man. I love coming to church. It's awesome. But man, my life has been like hell since coming to church. Welcome. You are now on the enemy's radar screen. At one time, you were walking with the enemy. Now you're walking against him, and now he don't like you. And so like you went to freedom. You thought, man, that's awesome. I got free and everything. And then you got out of freedom. You're like, dear God, what is going on in my life? Come on. Who all went through freedom? Who faced hell during freedom? Yeah. Who here would have done it again? Okay, so everybody's like, I don't know, I don't, maybe. <laughs> Put your hand up, okay? So, <laughs> right, because now 
You're, you're, you're now on the enemy's radar screen. You're not walking hand in hand with them anymore. Now you're going against them and you're re- rebuking the things that are on your life and the things that the enemy held you bound for so long. And so I'm just here to tell you, to encourage you, that if you have opposition against you or it's hard, you might be in God's will right now. Probably so. So don't discount to the fact that it's hard that you think that God has left you. He's actually more close to you than you even realize. So how do we, in these moments, begin to work through this? And so this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to share, I'm going to share three thoughts with you, three big thoughts for you to take notes on, on how to have the best worst day. Because I know when we put together this series and we titled it, Your Best Summer Ever, I mean, that's a pretty big title. I mean, you're, you're, you're promising a lot of things, like, how is this going to be the best summer ever? And some of you right now are going, I don't think that this series has lived up to what it's said. I don't really believe that I've actually had the best summer ever. But I want to propose today that possibly the worst summer ever could be the best summer ever. That the hardest summer ever could also be the best summer ever. And so I want to give us a perspective today that may be a little bit different than normal culture because when we say the best year ever or the best summer ever, this is what you think. You think, no problems, my car works, my kids go, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. I mean, everything, everybody goes to bed on time. Okay, we're eating right. My body finally thins down. Okay, you know, you're thinking through all the external factors of what makes the, the best day ever or the best summer. I can never prescribe that to you, but I can prescribe something that still will make you have the best summer ever even if your car breaks down and you don't get the, the results that you wanted. So how do we do that? Let me give you some thoughts. So if, you, if you're taking some notes, I want you to write this first thought down. How do we have the best, worst day? When the day comes and it's not the day that you wanted it, or the week you wanted it, or the month you wanted it, or the season you wanted it, how can you still get through it and thrive through it? Number one, don't face it alone. Don't face it alone. Can I get an amen from people who did face things alone for so long and now you realize don't face it alone? Amen. So these guys were beaten. They were put into the inner chamber, into the inner uh, uh, parts of the prison. Now, for most people, you don't realize is that the inner parts of the prison was just a fancy word for the base, the bottom, the, the, the bottom of it all. And, and scripture says that they're there at the bottom, they're beaten, and they're cha- they're, there are chains and stocks around their feet. And... If you know anything about the prison system, the, it wasn't like our prison system today. So it was the, the base of a building, and it was where the sewer line ran through. So talk about hashtag crappy day. Okay, this is where, this is where it's at. Come on, y'all with me? Come on. Anytime you say crappy day, you have to result to Paul and Silas now, okay? Because this is, and watch what Scripture says. Scripture says, and around midnight, Paul and Silas... Around midnight, so let's first, let's just dive through this. Around midnight, so scholars believe that the, they would call this the third watch. The third watch is between midnight and 3 a.m. Between midnight and 3 a.m. was the darkest time of the day. It did not get any darker than this time. After three, it starts brightening up. Before three, you know, sun's going down. So this is the darkest moment of the day. So let's just real quick paint a picture here. They are in the darkest, most hopeless moment of the day. How many know, how many have kids that were scared of the dark? Y'all remember kids, who had kids that scared of the dark? Let's just be honest. How many of you still scared of the dark? Okay, let's go. <laughs> the, other, the other night, uh, it was like four or five in the morning, and there was a loud bang in my house downstairs. And Lindsay goes, what was that? I said, like, babe, I, I, don't, I don't know. Just go to bed. We're all right. And so she's like, I'm up. 
I'm up. I don't know what it is. Something, something's here. I don't, I don't, I don't know what, what happened. She's like, you need to go check it out. I'm like, you need to go check it out. Gonna... <laughs> Talk about, I got guns. I'll protect, I'll protect the boys. And so, no, I'm joking. I'm not that bad. So she's like, go. I'm like, oh, babe, please. I roll out of bed and I, I go downstairs. And I'm like seeing nothing. You know, I'm flipping every light on. <laughs> every light's on. You know, just clapping, doing things. As if like they're going to come out at some point. So, so I'm looking everywhere and come to find out the ice cream scooper fell into the sink. That's what it was. So then I had to make the trek back upstairs to be like, you woke me up for an ice cream scooper that fell into the sink, which she put there. Anyways, okay, so. But I mean, as soon as I'm going downstairs, I'm flipping every light on, flipping everything on. And, and that's honestly, that, that's why when you remember the story when um, Jesus and the disciples are in the boat, and, or not Jesus, uh, the disciples are in the boat, the storm's raging, and the disciples see something walking on the water. Y'all remember that? It says how scared they were. It was during the third watch. So the third watch was when all of the demonic stuff would happen. The third watch was when prostitutes were mostly working. The third watch was when the occultist and witchcraft stuff was happening. So it's literally not only the darkest time of the day, it was actually the darkest time. This is when a lot of the supernatural things were happening. So of course, it's in the middle of the night, the darkest, most hopeless, and they go, oh, it's a ghost. And Jesus was like, it's just me, guys, just me. (laughs) And so this is that moment where it looks hopeless and it's dark. You ever been there in life? Where things just look hopeless, marriage looks hopeless, finances look hopeless, situation looks hopeless, and it's around midnight, and the jailer makes one huge mistake. Around midnight, put that scripture back up, around midnight, Paul and Silas. You know what the mistake was? He put them together. See, he didn't have, they didn't, they didn't do the prison system like we are. Come on, how many know when you got in issues with guys, you put them in solitary confinement, right? But no, 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 he put them together. He joined their feet together. He stalked them together. How many know he did not realize that he just created his biggest problem right there? Because how many know right now in this place that, listen, the greatest times you get discouraged is when you're by yourself. It's the loneliest by you. This is, some of y'all, it'll get, it'll get there in a minute, some of you. You could hear like laugh as rows were kind of going. It was like, kind of took a little bit there. Can you, can you think back at the times you wanted to quit the most? You were discouraged the most. You were depressed the most. You heard the lies of the enemy the most. I can almost guarantee all of those, the thing in common was you were by yourself. The person's voice that was the loudest was yours. And how many of you know, no one lies to you more than you do. So I'm going to tell you right now, when you're facing the worst day, don't face it alone. And here's the crazy part. In a church that's this size with this many people, there's more lonely people in here than you even realize. Because you can be sitting in a church service with people all around you and still feel like no one knows you. I'm telling you. Because this is what we do. We walk into a place... Y'all remember um, like when your, when your mom was like yelling at you? Hey, I said get down. You know, why are you doing that? And then someone called and she'd be like, hello. <laughs> hey. And you'd be like, what? Did the demon leave and then came back? Like, 
how many had moms that were like that? Like they could be beating you, someone calls and then they like switch. Oh, what's up girl? <laughs> right? Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. That's what people do at church. They walk in, hey, how you doing? Oh, highly blessed and favored, doing well. Praise the Lord, it's gonna be a great day. We've always, is this not true? And then their wife comes behind them, you're like, hey, how you doing? She's like, terrible, talk to him, talk to him, talk to him. It's because we wear masks. We've always wanted to build a church where you could take off the mask. Just take the mask off. How was your week? It was a hell of a week. It was rough. Do you really want to know? That's what you need to ask some people now. Next time you go, hey, how you doing? Do you really want to know? Because I can let you know. How many know? And you got a real friend, they go, tell me. I want to know. If they say, no, that's okay, then they're not your friend anyways. But, but creating a place, which by the way, most people don't want to do that in here. I don't blame you. I wouldn't want to take my mask off in here. But you do need to get in a smaller group with some smaller, with, not smaller people. Well, you could have <laughs> And maybe we could have a small group of small people. I don't know. But But you get in a small group with people. Listen, you can read all of the books that you want about how to walk through hard days. There is no greater prescription than getting some people around you that can walk with you through a hard day. Just telling you. That know you. That know you. Ecclesiastes says it this way. Two people are what? Everybody say that word. Say it again. Two people are better off than one, for they can, what? They can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. This is all about help. And by the way, asking for help is not wrong. Weak people can't ask for help. Strong people can. So help each other. They reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. So We've always wanted to create a place where you could find community, you could find spiritual family where you don't feel alone. This is why life groups are so important. We'll kick them up in the coming months again. We have some that are going now, but it'll really ramp up in in, uh, the beginning of September. But this is so important for you to get into a community and get into a place and get around friendships and get around people that know you, get around people that can encourage you because I'm telling you right now, the devil is insistent on keeping you alone. Church is not a a, a place you go to, it's a family you belong to. Some of you right now are praying that you're, uh, about a situation that's in your life. I want you to look at me. The answer to your prayer may be sitting on your row. You're like, God, I'm just so depressed. God, I just, I'm just so depressed. Well, you need a friend. God, I don't know how we're going to do it. I, I just don't know how we're going to handle this. I don't know. God, I just don't know. Well, maybe there's somebody around you who does know. Man, I just need a job right now. Well, maybe somebody around you can help you find a job. Are y'all with me? Come on, somebody. What you need may be in the house. It may be right beside you. And I'm going to tell you right now, the jailer made a problem. He put them together. And what he did not realize is that when we come together, we're better together. Chains break when we're together. Faith rises when we're together. Hope is lifted when we're together. Listen, apart, maybe not so much, but put us together, watch out. So I'm going to tell you right now, how do you have the best worst day? Don't do it alone. When I hear people be like, nobody called me. I've been gone for two weeks. Who did you call? Can I preach for a moment here? Don't ever give me that excuse. 
Because the reason nobody calls you is because nobody knows you. The only people who call people are the people that they know. So get to know some people. You don't have a friend? Come to me. I need a friend. I'll help you find a friend. I'm good at helping people find friends. I'm a matchmaker. That's what I do. I'll help you find friends. Okay, so come to me. I'll help you get some. Number two, how do we go from the best day? How can we go through best day when it's the worst day? Turn up the prayer. Turn up the praise. Turn up the prayer. Turn up the praise. Everybody say that with me. Turn up the prayer. Turn up the praise. Say it one more time. Turn up the prayer. Turn up the praise. Watch this. Around midnight, around midnight, the darkest moment of the day, Paul and Silas were praying and and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners, watch, were? I want you to hear me very closely because this is so important. And don't skip this point at all. When you're going through all hell, people are watching. People are listening. People are seeing how you're responding because you say you're a Christian and you say, yeah, I go to our Savior's church and they want to see, does it really matter when the rubber hits the road and you go through all hell is breaking loose? They're listening. They're watching. Are you praying? Are you complaining? Are you singing? Are you sad? And it's okay to be sad, by the way. It's okay to have hard times. We're not talking about rejoicing for what's going on. We're talking about rejoicing in that we know that God is with us. And watch this, the prisoners are listening. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. In the middle of the hardest moment, you find these men praying and singing. Praying and singing. Now listen, I don't think the devil is after your stuff. I just don't. I hear people, you know, like, hey, man, how was your week? Oh, my AC went out. It's that, like, demon AC. You know, that demon God. That, God, like, that demon don't want your AC. I mean, that's not what he's after. Driving to church to blow a tire. It's that demon tire. That demon, that de- demon's after my, you know, they're like, people, I mean, I think, that, I think the devil gets blamed for way more stuff than he actually does. He's probably over here like, it wasn't me. I wasn't doing that. I mean, why is everybody blaming me all the time? He's just easy to blame. I'll tell you what I think the devil is after. I don't think he's after your stuff, but I think he is after your praise. I think he is after your prayer. I think he is after your relationship with the Lord. And so what he's more after is what comes out of your mouth when that hits. <laughs> second, second Chronicles chapter 20 is a story of King Ahab. King Ahab is the king of Judah. Now, if you know anything about Judah, Judah means praise, which by the way, the enemy will always attack praise. This is how he always does. The enemy is surrounding the children of uh, uh, um, the, the, the nation of Judah. And King, King Ahab goes to the prophet. He says, what do we do? Watch what the prophet tells him. This is, he gets some pastoral wisdom. And his pastor says this, how do I deal with this? I mean, we're about to all get attacked. And he says, this is, okay, this is what we're gonna do. Drop your swords, drop your spears, drop your shields, drop your knives, drop it all, pick up the trumpet. What is this, like Ron Canoli? What's what are we doing here? What are we talking about? Some of y'all don't even know who Ron Canoli is. That's, that's back in the day. And so I want you to get the worship team, get some trumpets, maybe some harps, and I want you to go out and I want you to fight. Like, what am I going to do? Like, tube them to death? Like, what are we talking about here? What's going on here? He says, no, I'll, and this is, this is what he says, and this is what I want you to say, and I want you to repeat this. God is good and his mercy endures forever. 
God is good and his mercy endures forever. God is good and his mercy endures forever. God is good. Can we put like a second song in the rotation? Nope, same song. God is good. Y'all think we sing our songs a lot. God is good and your mercy endures forever. Can we get another line? Nope, God is good and your mercy endures forever. God is good and your mercy endures forever. And they go and they begin to sing this. And here's the coolest part. The enemy turns on itself and they start attacking each other. And the whole, whole nation gets destroyed by them not even doing anything other than saying God is good and his mercy endures forever. God is good and his mercy endures forever. God is good. Can I just tell y'all, I don't know what's going on right now. I don't know if you got a diagnosis that's not good. That's not good, but God is good and his mercy endures forever. I don't know if your finances aren't good, but God is good and his mercy endures forever. Because I'm going to tell you right now, the enemy is after your praise. He is after your prayer. Some of you came into church today and you're like, I don't really feel like praising. Well, listen, I don't really feel like it all, all the time too. But I don't do it because I feel like it. I do it because I need to do it. Because God shifts something. I'm going to tell you something. If your eyes is constantly on what you see, you will always be miserable. you got to get your eyes off of what you don't see because God is faithful and God is good and God is with you. Yeah, everything's around me. And yeah, it don't look good. And I don't know why we're all playing the trumpet because I can't even play the trumpet. But I'm just everybody doing the trumpet. And we're saying God is good. His mercy endures forever. And yet here we are. God begins to do the battle. And here's the coolest part, I think, of this whole story is that after the battle is won, all the children of Judah get to go and grab all the spoils. They get to keep it all. And on top of that, King Ahab, uh, King Jehoshaphat, not King Ahab, I'm sorry, King Jehoshaphat, um, King Jehoshaphat renames that valley, which was the Valley of Overwhelmed, to the Valley of Blessing. Ready? because your praise can rename any situation, any situation. Marriage ain't good, my praise can. Listen, some of you right now have been trying to win your, your lost family members to the Lord and you've been preaching to them and you tell them like, you need to come to OSC and you need to get in church. You're gonna burn, burn, burn. You need to get here right now. I'm telling you, I can smell the smoke on you and I don't want you to burn. Listen, stop preaching at them, ready? Here's what you do. Go in your room, create a sanctuary of prayer and praise and change the climate of your house with your worship and with your prayer. And you begin praying for, praying with, and you begin to change it that way. I'm going to tell you, God will do more for you than you could do for yourself. Turn up the prayer, turn up the praise. Turn up the prayer, turn up the praise. Paul and Silas, their feet were chained in stocks. Jailer made a second problem. Big mistake. You put them together, bigger mistake, you didn't close their mouths. Because my Bible says the power of life and death is not in the feet, it's not in the hands, it's in the tongue. And when I lift up God's word, come on, how many know he goes to work? He goes to work. This is what God does. And so I can just imagine darkest moment, crap running through. Just, just beaten and bloody. And, and, and in that moment, prisoners all around you, God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. And all the prisoners are like, is he really that good? And then they just keep singing, and they just keep praying, and everybody around them just keeps listening, and everybody around them keeps, and the Bible says that, that, that there was such a, a heavenly bass note, it shook the foundations. Because listen to me closely. When you pray and you praise, you shake things out of your life. 
it shakes things. If you're wondering why there's still stuff in your life, it could be because your eyes are focused on you and not focused on him. And when they get focused on him in the midst of my depression, in the midst of my despair, in the midst of my discomfort, I begin to get, why could Paul and Silas praise? Because their purpose was not connected to their pain. Are y'all with me? Were they in pain, yes or no? Were they bound, yes or no? Yes. Was it dark, yes or no? But yet they could praise because none of that mattered because at the end of the day, they were freed men before they were freed men. Uh, Do y'all understand how that plays out? Like even though all hell, bring it on. Bring it on. All hell can come against me. But I am free even though I'm chained. Even though I'm not physically free, I am free. And God began to work. He began to shake. He began to do things in them. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you focus on your pain and you focus on your chains and you focus on your addictions, I hate it when I hear people say, yeah, my name is such and such and I'm a former drug addict or I'm a, I'm a former alcoholic. No, you're not. That is not your identity anymore. You are a child of God, a saint of God, loved by God. That is something you did, but that is not who you are. Don't ever even identify as that. You are loved by God. Let me give you number three, and we're done, is that you've got to remember it's not just about you. Oh, this one's going to get good. I got to hurry. So watch this. Watch what the next verse says. And all the doors, circle that, highlight that, underline that, make that big bold right there in your notes. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every person, every prisoner fell off. Why is that important? Because Paul and Silas didn't just get free, everybody else did. And I'm going to tell you something right now. This is why the power of praise and worship. We don't sing songs at the beginning of service because we're waiting for all you late people. Okay. Some people think that's what we do. Like, hey, can we do four songs? Because, man, they're not getting a little bit later. Okay, no. We're not, we don't sing songs so you can hurry up and get into your seat. No, 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 listen. We sing songs because it does something supernaturally in this place that you don't realize that your weapon, your weapon is worship and there's warfare going on while we are singing songs. There's things that are happening. And I'm gonna tell you right now, you don't know who's beside you that's so discouraged, that's ready to quit, that doesn't wanna, wants to throw in the towel, that's done, that's done with life, that's done with God, that's done with their marriage, that's done with their kids. That's, and, and I'm gonna tell you right now, if you will just get here early, Get in here, get ready for worship, and you just turn up the volume. Just turn it up. Like, you just got, listen, my road's going to be turned up. It's going to be turned up when it comes to worship. I mean, I am not, I don't care what anybody, you know, so many people are like this. But man, you watch them at an LSU game, that doesn't look like that. And this is, this is... This is where you have to understand that your prayer and your praise doesn't just affect you, it affects everybody around you. Because I'm gonna tell you, despondency is contagious, but joy is also contagious. And so if you'll just own your row and say, and here's the cool thing, God doesn't start just bringing freedom to you, he brings it around you. It's like it radiates, it ripples around you of what God does in this, and this is what happens here. Now you would think that in this moment, Watch this. You would think that in this moment, the earthquake hits, the chains fall off, the doors fly open. God's answered my prayer. 
Bye, Felicia. I'm gone. Peace out. I prayed to get out of this hell hole, and I'm gone. But it doesn't happen. Watch the next verse. Watch what happens. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed that everybody's escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself because in those days, if a jailer lost an inmate, he died. So he's just gonna commit suicide himself. But Paul shouts, stop! Don't kill yourself! Paul and Silas are here! No, don't say that. We're all here. All of us. The jailer calls for the lights. I need some lights. Turn some lights on. He runs to the dungeon and he falls down. Now watch, he's, he's trembling now before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and he asked, watch, watch. The question is not, why did you stay? The question's not, what were you singing? The question was not, man, I'm so sorry we did this to you. This is the guy who beat them. The question he asks is, how do I get what you got? Like, how do I get saved? Because there's something about the way that you respond to the worst day that makes me now open to want what you want, to want what you have. What do I do to be saved? And they said, I love this, because notice they didn't say anything for him to do. You don't do anything to get saved. You just believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Watch this, and I love this. Along with everyone in your household. How many of you right now believing for everyone in your household to come to the Lord? Everyone in your household to be fully in, fully present with all of God. This is what God has in this moment. The miracle isn't what happened at midnight. Listen to me closely. The miracle is not what happened at, at midnight. The miracle is what happened after midnight. This moment right here. Paul didn't come to Philippi to get out of Philippi. Paul came to Philippi to get the gospel in Philippi. And even though Paul saw an open door, open prison door, he really saw an open gospel door because now is my platform, now is my moment to preach, to share Jesus with this guy. Everyone gets saved. Here's the coolest part of this whole story. 10 years later, Paul writes a book called Philippians. It's a, a letter. He sends it to the Philippians. One of them is rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Guess who's the pastor now of the Philippian church? The jailer. Now think about how crazy this is. The worst day ever became the best day ever because for a man who was about to commit suicide in one moment went from suicide to a pastor of a church in one moment. The best day, even though it looked like the worst day. So yesterday, I shared online what I was gonna, a little bit of what I was gonna preach today and my, my grandmother texted me, so she's probably watching this. Pete, I love you. Mwah. So she texts me. She says, I got, I got something for you. I heard what you're gonna preach on and, 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 and the Lord just dropped something in me and, and it was so good, I was like, I'm gonna say it. So this is what she said. God can turn your pain into purpose even when your life looks like a circus. I thought, preach. If I had a microphone, I'd drop it. Uh, something only my grandmother can do. But is that not true? That when craziness is all around you, you don't know how God is working in this. <sighs> so depressed, 
so discouraging. Can we just agree that constant trials and constant problems is discouraging, disheartening? And yet in this moment, it's the best of times, it's the worst of times. God is good, God is faithful, life is hard, I'm hurting. But yet in all of this, when things look like the worst, God is doing his best. And so even though maybe this summer was the worst summer ever, hopefully today you realize it was truly the best summer ever because God was doing a deeper work in you. And by the way, it's not just about you. He was doing something through you. Can I get an amen in this place? Father, we love you. If you're here in this place right now, I I just wanna end today with with praying over you. If you're here today and you'd say, man, I've been going through just some rough seasons. I want you just to shoot your hand up right there where you are. Actually, even more than that, I want you to stand. I want you to stand. You don't have to come forward. I just want you to stand right there where you are. You say, Pastor Josh, that's, that's me right now. I just know I'm in that season right now. Father, right now, I pray. If you're by somebody, just would you just kind of stretch your hands towards them? We're gonna come together. Man, we're not doing this alone. We're not doing this alone at all. So Father, I pray right now for every person that's standing that has battled the storms of life that the enemy has tried to bring, to thwart, to discourage, to dishearten, God, I pray right now for supernatural grace, strength. I pray that there would be an anchoring of the soul, that we trust you, that we know that you are, according to Romans 8, working all things for our good. God, I thank you right now, Lord, that you are not only working in us, but you're working through us, that the greatest testimonies have come through the greatest tests. And so, Father, I pray right now for people not to grow weary in well-doing, but, God, that you would strengthen them Encourage them. May they not walk alone. May you surround them with people of life. God, I I pray that they would turn up the prayer, turn up the praise, and in doing so, encouraging and strengthening themselves in the Lord. And God, more than anything, realizing it's just not about us. It's not about our kingdom. And God, if we have to walk through pain for for your kingdom to be advanced and for other people to see you, God, we welcome that for your glory. God, I pray, Lord, that you would sustain your people today in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. While you're seated, I, I want to pray for those that are in this room one last time, and then we're going to end the service. If you're here in this room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, can I just tell you right now? You're going to go through hell in life with Jesus or without Jesus. I'm just promising you it's a lot better with them. The Bible says... Do not be discouraged, for I have overcome the world. Take heart. And if you're here in this place, and maybe you've done the religion thing, maybe you've done the church thing, maybe you've done the baptism thing and the communion thing, none of that stuff saves you, by the way. It is a genuine relationship with Jesus. We say around here, it's as easy as ABC, admitting that we're sinners, that apart from Christ, man, we can do nothing. Life does not go right without him that apart from him, my life is far from him, that I believe that Jesus did all that he had called us to do and that he did all that he was supposed to do to win me back into relationship with God. And if I confess that he's Lord of my life, if you're here in this place, you say, Pastor Josh, that's me. Man, I I want a relationship with God. I need that. On the count of three, I just want you to shoot your hand and say, that's me. Come on, just be bold in this place. One, two, three, that's you. Just shooting up all over this place. Thank you, thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Praise God. Anybody else? That's me. Come on. Awesome. Would you just pray this with me? Come on. OSC family, we're going we're gonna to pray this all together with those seven people that just raised their hand. Would you say, dear Lord Jesus, 
I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you, that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, my guilt, and you died for it. I believe that you faced hell so I wouldn't have to go there. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today I turn from my sins and I place you as Lord of my life from this moment forward in Jesus' name.